This week on Stay in the Truck, we're going to preview the Big 12 Conference. So grab you a cold beverage and let's go. Welcome to Stay in the Truck, the ultimate podcast for sports enthusiasts and avid gamblers alike. Each week we'll provide you with invaluable insights, analysis, and tips to elevate your game. We can be found on all major podcasts and social media outlets. See the show notes for details. Stick around to the end to hear this week's most boneheaded sports moments with our Stay in the Truck Awards. So let's jump right into this week's show. All right, Jeff, let's talk about the Big 12 Conference. Uh, tonight, you and I are tackling this by ourselves. Our other boys here have family commitments. Um, so we're going to just jump right into the Big 12. So this is the final year of the Big 12 as we know it. We know Texas and Oklahoma is going to be moving to the SEC in 2024. Rip. Yeah. Um <laughs> But new to the conference this year, we've got BYU, um, UCF, Cincinnati, and Houston. Uh, so last year, Big 12 had some successes. They had uh, nine bowl game appearances with a big win of two games, two of four nine out of the bowl appearances. Mm-hmm. Um, and then this year, they're starting three teams in the top 25 AP poll. That's TCU, Kansas State, and Texas. So let's jump right in here to the defending champs, the Kansas State Wildcats. Kansas State, you know, they uh, they pulled a little upset off against TCU to win the Big 12 last year um, in overtime. They are, this year, they're 6-1 to one to win the conference. Uh, they got a season win total of 8.5. Um, if you want to go over, you got to lay 180. And if you like the under, you can get like plus 145. So... They got them ranked 14th for the top 25 AP poll this year. Yeah, Chris Kleiman, he, he's back for his fifth year. Um, 30 and 20 at, at Manhattan down there where it's really hard to win, but he's he's a great coach, man. He's a great coach. Uh, he's got eight starters coming back on the offense. Uh, you can see their numbers. I made a note here of their numbers, just how balanced they were last year. 2,947 passing yards, 2,916 rushing yards. So that just tells you the, uh, the type of coach that, that Kleiman is. You know, he he wants to be that 50-50. You know, he wants to control that clock, but he wants to be able to, to move the ball when he has to. He's a great coach. Uh, they get Will Howard. He's a senior. He's coming back. 1,600 yards, 15 touchdowns last year in seven games. Um they're, they lose their running back, Deuce Vaughn, to the Dallas Cowboys. He had over 1,600 yards and nine touchdowns. So that's got to be replaced. And, and they got a sophomore in, in Giddings that, uh, you know, he had six touchdowns last year. They get a transfer from FSU, Sean Ward, which people were huge on him two years ago down there in Tallahassee. But they get him to come over and, you know, his 600-plus yards and seven touchdowns. So, you know, replacing Deuce Vaughn is going to be hard to do. But it looks like they're going to have a decent shot at at least coming close to, you know, keeping the ground game intact. Um, Senior wide receiver comes back. They get a transfer out of Iowa that's a deep threat in Keegan Johnson. Uh, Tight end, you know, he's a junior more or less in there. You know, 31 receptions. So, you know, he, he does get involved. He does get involved. When you get 31 receptions, 447 yards, you're definitely involved. They got five back on the offensive line, and 
that is really key to their whole offense right there. Because yeah, senior quarterback and a lot yeah. of protection up front, that's experience. That's that's good. Yeah. It's good, and, and five starters back on their defense, solid rotation across the front. Their leading tackler, Austin Moore, returns as a senior. Um, the big the big problem with them is is in the backfield. Um, you know, Kobe Savage comes back as a safety. You know, he's a safety at 45 tackles and three interceptions, and after that, we're not sure about the cornerbacks. Yeah, they, they lost their uh, Big 12 defensive player of the year, defensive end Felix. Um, Hannah Duque Izuma. Is yeah. That, is that how you that's, say that's, that? Sorry. Pretty, pretty close. Yep. Uh, he's, um, he went first round to the Kansas City Chiefs. So that's going to be some big shoes to fill. Yeah. It, to me, you know, just, just looking at this, they had to have the 18th toughest, toughest schedule in the nation. Okay. You, of course, Southeast Missouri State, they're four touchdown favorites. Okay. That's a FCS team. To, to, yeah. that's, that should yeah, be a good so practice for them. That's a good, that's a good warm-up. Uh, and then they get Troy in there, who we, we talked about them a couple of weeks ago. You know, what we know Troy can play defense if nothing else. Then they got to go to Missouri. And, and to me, that game right there, because we'll, we'll talk about Missouri in a couple of days here, but that's a big, big game for this Kansas State team. Right, right, and then and then follow that up with UCF and yes, UCF's a wild card. They're, they're, they're I mean, wild card. we don't Gus. know how they're gonna they're gonna uh, what that they transitioned out of um, the FCS last year or Sun Belt was it Sun Belt? Yeah, and I mean the Conference USA, but sorry or the AAC they were in there with uh, Tulane and them. Right, right, right. <laughs> but that's Gus, though, man. You, you, Malzahn's an experienced SEC coach. You know, he played for a national championship. He won one as an offensive coordinator. So the Look, Troy, Missouri, UCF, they get a week off, then they got to go to Oklahoma State. Then yep. they got to go to Texas Tech. Then they get TCU. So, one, two, three, four, five games in six weeks. Well, and, and then if you look at the schedule as a whole, almost every one of these road games are tough. At Texas. At Kansas. At Kansas. At Texas Tech. At Missouri. Yeah. I got them going six and six. I took the under at the plus money. I took under eight and a half. Um, You just look at the defense, man. It's not so much the offense. They're going to run the ball. They're going to – and they don't turn the ball over a lot. They never will was climbing there. You know, he won't – he's just not going to have it. But the defense – that's going to be something that, that for everybody to keep an eye on. Um, and and listen, listen, that stretch of games we just talked about—that's not going to be easy. No, no, I don't, I don't see them being defending champs again. No, no. So, so I like the under eight and a half plus one forty-five. All right. So let's uh, roll right into Norman, Oklahoma, with the Oklahoma uh, Sooners. Yeah, Boomer Sooner. You know, I, I have a couple of. Oklahoma fans that are friends. So, you know, uh, I got bad news for him, Tony. Well, so let's talk about this because, you know, Brent Venable, second year. Last year was their first losing season since 1998. Three and six in the conference. And on top of that, they lost five games by one point last year. Yeah. So it could have been better. Could have been. But, I mean – there's a lot of tradition that he's messing with. You look, know? Look, look, look at this stat. 
in the games they lost last year, they were outscored 292 to 193. And that's a 49 to nothing loss to Texas included in there. So, Goodness. you know, and, and, and I'm not really necessarily even studying this season for them. I'm just thinking, oh, my God. In 2024, they get to line up with the boys in the SEC. How's that going to go? I mean, in Texas is probably in the same boat. Oh, no doubt. No, yeah, we'll touch on them here in just a few minutes. But as, as far as Oklahoma goes, you know, six and seven last year, five and eight against the spread. Terrible both ways. Just terrible. Terrible. <laughs> seven starters come back on offense. But this is an offense that was, uh, they averaged 33 points a game. 474 yards a game, and they get Dylan Gabriel. You know, this will be his second year out of out of UCF. He can flat out sling it, 3,100 yards last year, 25 touchdowns. They got the freshman quarterback, Jackson Arnold. He's a dual threat. There's no doubt about it. He's going to be the future. He's going to be the one that, that basically is going to have to put everything on his shoulders next year. I really didn't see or do any research on how they looked, you know, spring game. Uh, if there was any, you know, one showed out over the other. Do you have any? Kind no, of stuff I didn't. I, all I know is they they just praying that Gabriel stays healthy, um, because when he went down last year, it was ugly. So, you know, they, if if something happens to him, you know, Jackson Arnold, he's just a freshman, man. You know, we'll, we'll see what he's got. Um, but with them. They're running back, drafted by the Giants, uh, Eric Gray. He's gone. He accounted for 1,366 yards and 11 touchdowns. He's gone. They're going to try to replace him with a sophomore that, you know, didn't play very much last year. He only had well over 500 yards and five touchdowns. And Javante Barnes. He looked um, like he was the goal line guy. Yeah, might have got him a couple little sneaks in there. But um, then they lose their number one receiver, Marvin Mims, to Denver. To the Broncos, you know, he's gone. That's a 1,000 yards, 20, 20 yards average per catch. And, and they lost Gray. They lost Gray. He's gone. So, uh, man, they got some work to do. You see they hit the portal um, on this offensive line to get to get a tackle out of Stanford. And they got Caleb Schaefer, who everybody in Miami was huge on. He's a, he's a guard. They were huge on him. But Venables went and got him out of the portal. Um, now, look, this tight end, this Austin Stogner, he's a senior, okay? From what I understand is, is like, he's like, you know, one of the, one of the captains out there. So, you know, it's going to be – he's got his, his hands full. So, the offense will be okay with Gabriel running it. If Gabriel goes down, Jackson Arnold, we'll see. You know, we'll see. He's highly touted. He's you know highly touted kid. We'll see what he does. But but when you when you go to what really caused those seven losses last year, you look at this defense, and I'm here to tell you, they they gave up forty plus points in five games last year. That's a lot. That's a whole bunch. I mean, you you look at these numbers now. Remember, there's only 131 teams in the F, in the FBS last year. Only 131. So. 30 points a game, that was 90th in the nation. 461 yards a game, that was 123rd in the nation. They gave up 187 yards on the ground, that's 104th in the nation. They gave up 273 yards passing, that's 116th in the nation. Look at those numbers on that defense. Now, you're talking about 
Their head coach is a was a defensive coordinator in Clemson for 10 years. Won a national championship up there. Now, I just – I'm sitting here, I'm looking at their defensive coordinators. They got them listed as Todd Bates, Ted Roof, Jay Valley. Ted Roof, he, he was at Tech, he was at Michigan. Great, great, great defensive mind. But you got three of them listed as your defensive coordinator and your head coach is supposed to be a guru. And you look at these, I mean, it's just, it's it's crazy, man. Um, two seniors back on the line, linebacker, Stutzman, 70 tackles last year, three sacks, two interceptions. He's Big 12 All-Conference? Yeah, he, he's, he's a good one. He's a good one. Look at the secondary, Woody Washington, he's a senior, okay. They get a safety out of Houston to come over. They got Bowman coming back, 37 tackles and three interceptions. Then you got this freshman, McCullough. They say... He's a safety, free safety, I believe. They no, he's a safety, but they say he is a playmaker. Like he is, he he loves to be around the ball, so he's gonna have to be because I can. I'm sitting here and I'm telling you right now, they gave up 273 yards in the air last year. Do you do you think the teams are gonna try him again? I would imagine. I would imagine they got another freshman, Peyton Bowen, back there. They got their hands full. They got their hands full. They had the season win total set at nine and a half. There's Tony. I'm sorry. I don't see it. We know they're they're favored in every game except for the Texas game. Yeah, but yes, Arkansas State. Yes, SMU. Yes, Tulsa. And I'll give them Cincinnati. I'll even give them Iowa State. After that. Texas, UCF, Kansas, Oklahoma State. I I I got I mean I'm, on, I'm I went ahead and took the under at nine and a half. If they win nine, if they go nine and three, so be it. That means they won three more games than they did last year. So Think realistically, so is eight and four realistic, or is that? I mean, look the schedule. Look early, the schedule is doable. What's going to happen is when they run up on Texas on October seventh, and they get mollywopped. Is that going to send everybody in the downward spiral? What did you say? Mollywopped. I don't even know what that boat means. Boat raced. There you go. <laughs> Whichever one race. it is. I've never heard of Molly Ward. Yes. So, you know, when that happens, is that going to send everybody in the doubt? You know, that that could be the beginning of the end for them. And I, 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 if they win 10 games, so be it, man. They can come get my money. But I'm going to have to see it to believe it. So we'll go under nine and a half. All right. Good stuff. All right, let's move on to TCU. Oh, man, when we last left TCU, Stetson Bennett and the boys were still running. Uh, I believe Carson Beck even got in there at the end of that game, but uh, finished the season last year 13-2. and two. Best season in probably 10 years, you know. Yep, finished number two on the top 25. Yeah. Uh, they were thirteen and two straight up, ten and four and one against the spread. They scored a lot of points, so they covered a lot of games. Right. I they mean, got a uh, Sonny Dykes, uh, Big 12, 2022 Coach of the Year. Yep. Uh, he was nine and zero last year in the conference. Think about that. You know, he won every conference game until he played for the conference championship, and he got beaten overtime by Kansas State. But what happened was, what had happened was, Dabo was not happy with the play calling anymore at Clemson. So Dabo 
gets his boy Garrett Riley, the offensive coordinator for TCU, to come on up there to Clemson. But what Sonny Dykes did was brilliant. Going to get Kendall Browse out of Arkansas. That was a great, a great comeback. Great hire for them. Great hire for them. So they they got Chandler Morris coming in. Um he was a starter in 2022. He did get hurt in the first game against Colorado. First quarter of the game, I believe it was. And uh, Dugan took over. They get a transfer from Alabama as a, for running back in Trey Sanders. Uh, Kendra Miller was their running back last year. He, he accounted for 224 carries, 1,399 yards, and 17 touchdowns. He's playing with the Saints now. That's a lot of production you got to come and match. Well, on top of that, they lost their entire wide receiver group. Well, Quentin Johnson, the Chargers got him. That was 60 receptions, 1,069 yards, six touchdowns, and he averaged 17.8 yards per reception. You're talking about two NFL studs. Looks like they jumped into the Tresford portal. Look, and where did they go? Straight to the SEC. JoJo Earl from Bama, Jack Bent. Beck from LSU. They got a J.P. Richardson kid out of Oklahoma State, and they said he did show out in the spring game for TCU. They're going to expect a lot out of Richardson. Well, luckily they've got a tight end, Jared Wiley. Uh, he's a senior, all Big 12 coming back, so that'll help a little bit. Yep. Uh, you look at your offensive lines, you know, they went and got Tommy Brockmeyer from Bama. And, and any time you can get an offensive lineman from Alabama, that that's nothing but a plus. Nothing but a plus. So, you know, solid on offense. They averaged 39 points a game last year. It's going to be very hard to do that. You look at some of these games they were in, you know, some of these one-score games they were in last year, you got you got to think, is that going to flip on them this year? Um, you go down to that defense where they have seven, seven starters returning. In their two playoff games, first one against Michigan, that defense allowed 342 yards in the air and two touchdowns, 186 rushing yards and three touchdowns. Against UGA, 335 yards passing, four touchdowns, 254 yards rushing and five touchdowns. And you got seven of them boys coming back. So you look at that. They didn't have a pass rush. They're probably still not going to have a pass rush. Um, the best one they had, Dylan Horton, he got drafted by the Texans. So he's gone. Uh, you look at their linebackers. They get a junior back. They get a senior back. Okay. Both Big 12 all-conference. Yeah, that's great. You get a senior cornerback. He had three interceptions last year, Josh Newton. Um, they bring in the kid, Avery Helm, from Florida. He's a strong safety. Uh, Perry and Bradford are going to be there, too. But they played five games last year by one score or less. Okay. They won – they got those five games. That's not going to happen again. And I went ahead and I took under seven and a half wins on TCU. You know, I'm looking at this the schedule here. So starting October, their final five games, mm-hmm. none of them are a cakewalk. No, no, that's a that's a tough finish. They're underdog in what four out of those five? Yeah, yeah. And where yeah. they're favored, it's against Baylor by three yep. points. Yep, that's that's oh look, yes, they start off with Colorado, then they get Nichols, then they gotta go to Houston, which though Houston's gonna be down this year. SMU, they're probably gonna be down too. Their quarterback left for Wisconsin. Well, in four of those five games, 
Every one of them's home games. Yeah, they're home games. Yep. So you know, good for them. They get to they get to work all the kinks out. But that back end of that, right? When everybody's dinged up, I, I you know I don't see eight wins. So you know I think they're I think seven and five is is honestly I know it's not going to make TCU fans happy, but that's probably a good season for these guys. That defense has to totally – they have got to figure something out. Well, they've also got a brand-new quarterback. It's, it's going to be tough. Yep. So we'll go under seven and a half. All right. TCU, guys. All right, Jeff, let's talk about the Texas Longhorns. So yep. these guys were um, – they finished last season number 25 out of the top 25. They are preseason ranked number 17 for 2023. They were first in the Big 12 recruiting, and they were third nationally in recruiting. Uh, lost 14 players to the transfer portal. And then um, Quinn Ewers, their quarterback, he is um, ranked number nine Heisman preseason yeah. at 20 to 1. Yep. And uh, they're the favorites. They're the favorites for the conference. So. You look back at last season, um, they were eight and five and eight and five against the spread. So eight and five straight up, eight and five against the spread. That's break even money basically. Uh I look back at some of the games from last year, they were only one and four against rate teams. So that's a problem. Um, yeah, they only lost to Bama by one point and by one point and yeah, if Quinn Ewers didn't get hurt, they were moving the ball, blah, 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 blah. But they lost. And they lost that one at home. So, guess where they get to go the second week of the season this year? Tuscaloosa. Yeah. So, um, Steve Sarkeesian, this is his third year, head coaching over there. Never had a 10-win season. Never won a conference title. That includes trips at Washington and Southern California. It's only 9-12 and 12 against Power 5 teams in the last two years. That's a problem. It's going to be able to get in to be a bigger problem next year. That's kind of my my point here is like, like I feel like we're previewing this Oklahoma and Texas team, but we're doing a preview for next year because all this information, depending on how they play this year, and I don't really expect either one of them to be, you know, super great or anything, but these numbers are probably going to look worse when we start previewing, when we do our preview for the SEC next year. So – Bright side, 10 starters come back. They averaged 34 and a half points a game. That was good for 20th in the nation. No doubt about it. Sarkeesian, he he can he can get offense going. He did it for Saban. He did it for the Falcons. You know, he did it. I mean, so there's he can definitely get offense. I'm, I don't know how great of a head coach he is. Do I think he's going to make it in the SEC? Absolutely not. But who, who else you going to hire? I mean, what you going to do? So – they, they do get Quinn Ewers back, and apparently he has – Quinn has grown up, Tony. He has matured. He has cut his mullet off. He is in the weight room every morning. He's the first one there. He's the last one to leave. So, can he improve on the 21-77 yards last year to 15 touchdowns? I know he better – the six NITs, we don't need that. He did miss five games because he got hurt in the Bama game. But – what everybody's talking about over there, and no, it's not Arch Manning, and because yes, we know Arch is there, we know, but this Malik Murphy, this freshman out of California, out there, six five two thirty, pro style, had a hundred. Big boy. Yes, reminds me of Cam. 
Reminds me a lot of Cam. Even looking at him on film reminds me of Cam. Got that gun for an arm that Cam had too. 165 yards in a spring game, he had a touchdown. I haven't seen him as a dual threat like no. Cam. No, now he. I mean, now listen, you know he can run, but that's not what he wants to do. He wants to stay in the pocket. He wants to put the ball downfield. That's what he wants to do. And that's what, that's what Sarkeesian wants him to do, no doubt about it. So, you know, I don't want everybody to get this, you know, crazy idea in their head about if, if Ewers goes down, hey, you know, our, uh, Arch is going to get the ball and he's going to be running the ship there because it's definitely going to be Malik Murphy. We'll, we'll find out the first game against Rice in the fourth quarter when they've got them blown out by, you know, four touchdowns. So, yeah, we'll find out who comes in. Yeah, and I could be dead wrong, but I'm pretty sure you're going to see Arch over there holding the clipboard. Um, Malik Murphy is the future for this guy. Listen, if I'm going to the SEC, that's what I want. I I want that quarterback right there. If 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 whatever, and like I said, man, he had a great spring game. They say he make every throw, so we, we're gonna we'll find out. Um, of course, Bijan Robinson, the the great running back. He got drafted by the Falcons. Roshan Johnson, the other running back, got drafted by the Bears. So you're going to lose that production right there. So they bring – they got Jonathan Brooks. He had five touchdowns. Jaden Blue's a stud. Keelian Robinson's he's a stud. C.J. Baxter, the five-star from Florida. They say he will make an impact and he will play. So there's no, there's no lack of talent in that running back room. There's no lack of talent on that roster. You know, Texas can always get the players. But this Xavier Worthy, this receiver, 60 receptions last year, 760 yards, nine touchdowns, he's for real. He is for real. Well, then on the other side, they've got Jordan Winningham. He's 2023 Big 12 All-Conference. So 50 receptions, 652 yards, and one touchdown. So, and then look who they get out of UGA, A.D. Mitchell. Coming off a torn ACL, and we all know A.D. Mitchell is a track star playing with, with a helmet on his head. The kid can absolutely fly, and he can catch. He can play. We all know that. He wanted to go back home, finish out his career. So they're loaded. They're tight in. He's a stud. Jatavion Sanders, 54 receptions, 600 yards, five touchdowns. Their offensive line, 100 career starts. But the depth can be an issue. But you look at this sophomore, Kelvin Banks, sophomore left, left tackle, 6'4", 325. He only allowed one sack as a freshman. Well, for, for all this passing stuff, they've got to get these wide receivers. Um, you know, they're going to be working, but if they don't get the running game and, and spread it out, you know. Yeah, they get bottled up. No yep. doubt about it. Um, they, they, I think the line's going to be okay, but, you know, as anything else, one injury could change everything. You know, when you have to put some kids in there that hasn't, you know, haven't got the snaps and and doesn't have the experience, that could change a lot. We saw it last year when Quinn Ewers went down, and so I mean, yeah. he's going to be one of the keys. He's got to stay healthy this year. Yep, he's got to stay healthy. Um, their defense, six starters come back. They allowed twenty one point points a game per game last year. That's great. That's great, especially in the Big Twelve. Their defense was on time. I mean, they played good. Travion Sweat and Brian Murphy. Brian Murphy's definitely going to play on Sundays. Great defensive tackle. Uh, Jalen Ford 
Comes back in, in the linebacker there, 62 tackles, two sacks, and four interceptions. He's a player. Anthony Hill Jr., 6'3", 245 pounds. Watch for him because he's a playmaker. You look at their secondary, Jerry and Thompson, he's, he's their safety out there. You got J.D. Unbaron, he's a safety, and Ryan Watts as a cornerback. All experience. So, can they put this thing together? We'll see. Would I bet over nine and a half wins? Absolutely not. I definitely would not lay 140. So um, where do you have them finishing this year in the Big 12? Well, I got them picked to win the Big 12. I bet them to win the Big 12 at plus 120. So you got them winning the Big 12, but you don't think they're going to win more than 10 games? I don't think they're going to win more than nine games. Yeah. Nine and three. Nine and three. Look at that. Look at that whole conference, though. I mean. Yeah, last year they, well, yeah, last year they only had two teams that made more than 10 wins. Yeah. Okay. Right. You know? Mm. Well, looking at the schedule, um, I mean, like you said earlier, this this second game at Alabama, and that's the only game that um, the opponent is is favored. So, I mean, Texas is favored in every one of these other games. Yep. But there's some big ones on here. Um, look at look at that September September 23rd matchup. Yeah, they got Baylor at Baylor at Baylor, and then Oklahoma on the seventh yeah, of October. It, it, that's the uh, the Red River. Yep, Red River rivalry. Yep. Um, Kansas State's not going to be a pushover, but um, the Texas Tech game at the, their final season, yep. the final game of the season. Texas Tech's going to be tough this year. I think so. And, you know, my early projections have Texas as a 12-point favorite. Um, I don't know if I really trust that too much. <laughs> yeah. And, and another one that pops out of me, when we just talked about TCU, yep. we're not confident on TCU. Um, I think that minus seven, man, I think Texas is going to – I think Texas going to win the game. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, But that's a lot of points to lay on the road. Yep, and depending on how healthy TCU is, and, and how like healthy we, how healthy you and yours are, yeah. So I don't. I mean, hey, nine and three wins the conference, right? Now, is that going to get them into the final four? No, I don't think, unless something catastrophic happens in the SEC and the Big Ten. But I do think they'll win the conference. I think they're the most talented. I don't think it's any secret that Texas and Oklahoma are, are head and shoulders have more talent on the roster, more four and five stars on the road, more five stars than anything than the other teams. But Sarkeesian, I, I, I told y'all earlier, never had a 10-win season, never won a conference title. Think about that. You got You got to put that into perspective, and you got to think about that. If he can't do it with this roster right here, at least get a conference title, then you know they got some they got some questions they need to start asking. Yeah, I mean, if first in Big Twelve recruiting and third in the nation, you got the tools. Well, listen, got it. You got to have. You got to be able to do something with. Them. And, and we'll talk about this on the next pod. But it's kind of like Jimbo Fisher is now, right? I mean, yeah, he he got that you know, national championship at FSU, but heck, what has he done since then? You know, so this is the most talented team the Big 12 is going to, that they have. So we'll see what they do. Um, 
I would I would definitely not lay no one forty. <laughs> you know, if you if you told me, hey, nine and a half at plus one ten, yeah, I might put a little pizza bet on that, but I'm not laying one forty to watch them go nine and three. You know what I mean? And and nine and three can they get to the conference championship, they'll probably win it. All right. All right, let's roll into Stillwater, Oklahoma. We're going to talk about the Oklahoma State Cowboys. Soon-to-be friend of the show, Mike Gundy, comes back for his 19th year. Uh, Only had one losing season, and that was year one. That's pretty awesome. So Gundy has won at least seven games since 2005. Think about that. that's, (laughs) That's huge. Yes, yes. And I'm pretty sure he took over for Les Miles. I'm pretty sure he's the one that took over for Les Miles. That's about the time that, uh, I guess, Saban left for the Dolphins at LSU, and they went and got Miles from Oklahoma State. You know, good for Gundy. They were 7-6 last year, 6-7 and seven against the spread. That's a loser. 40-1 to one to win the Big 12. And I've, I've heard two or three different podcasts where guys are making legit, legit arguments about Putting that, putting that money on that 40 to 1 because of the schedule they play. And because it's not good. They, they play all four of the brand new teams in the conference. Yeah. And, and look, they don't play Texas. They do get Oklahoma. But they, they don't have to play Texas. So you kind of chalk that one up, right? That's, that's a bonus for them. They get Oklahoma, but Oklahoma has to come to Stillwater. And I got them favored as what? Uh, they're seven and a half point underdog to Oklahoma. So, you know, you're you're looking at uh, at an offense that that failed to score twenty or more points in any of its final six games. Now, Spencer Sanders was he he's gone. Uh, he left four year starter left for Ole Miss, and, and guess what, y'all? He's not even gonna start over there. Which is that's really really curious. Think this is a four year starter. Leaves to go. Maybe it was Kiffin. I don't know. Maybe he thought Kiffin, you know, coach him up or whatever. But he's not even going to be the starter over there. You think he thought he was going to pump up his NFL draft <laughs> spots by moving to an SEC team? Or? Yeah, I, I don't know. I just, I don't know. So, you, you know, your your captain he leaves, and, and look, listen, you know, let me just be total transparent. I am not an Oklahoma State homer. I don't know. I'm sure. Somebody's going to hear this that that is and going to tell me that no, oh, he wasn't all that or whatever. But he was a four year starter. So Gundy brings in Alan Bowman at the quarterback position. He's a senior, originally committed to Texas Tech, went to Michigan, went back. Now he's at Oklahoma State. What'd you say, Tony? He's twenty three years old. Twenty three years old. Twenty three years old. He's from Texas too. Yeah, yeah. He's he's one of them Texas boys. Um. I think he could definitely run what Gundy wants to run. That's probably why he's there, right? I mean, he probably understands what Gundy wants to do. Uh, Garrett Rangel, this freshman, he threw for 711 yards last year, four touchdowns, but look at the picks, man. Five. Five of them. And then uh, Gunner Gundy, Mike's son. He's a sophomore. He played a little bit last year, 247, three touchdowns, four NITs. Those NITs, man. Or the INTs. Or the INTs, yeah. <laughs> so, um, obviously, they're, you know, the quarterback position, who knows what happens, really. 
Uh, Bowman's number one on the depth chart right now. Like I said, Spencer Sanders is gone. They're running back. Dominique Richardson, he left for Baylor. He was their leading rusher. He had eight, eight touchdowns last year. They're going to replace him with a senior from Michigan State. And Elijah Collins, he had 70 carries, 318 yards, and six touchdowns. And they got Jaden Nixie and Ollie Gordon to, you know, to get in the rotation there. Um, wide receiver, Brandon Presley, he's a senior. Dijon Stribling, they got him in from Washington State. They're Man, all... What do these teams do before the transfer? Oh, man, can you imagine? I mean, how bad would this team be? Because obviously there was, there was nobody else to, to step up. I mean, you see, you look at all, and look, they were hit the hardest. Oklahoma State was the hardest hit by the transfer portal. People plucked their guys, and they left all over the place, which goes back to my point. What is going on? Something is going on. Now, I don't think Gundy had the same uh, uh, speech that Prime gave his guys. Hey, most of y'all going to pack your bags, and you're going to get out of here. You know, I don't think he had that same speech, but something is going on up there. Or down there, over there. Um, they got a new defensive coordinator. Okay, this is a defense. Returned six starters. They gave up 30 points a game last year, 97th in the nation. They gave up 452 yards per game, 118th in the nation. Not good. Rushing yards, 186 a game, 103 in the nation. 266 yards in the air, 106 in the nation. Not good. Not good at all. So... They bring in Bryant Nardo from D2 Cannon University. Gannon. Gannon, I'm sorry. Gannon, Gannon University. Uh, he must be a savant or something. But that defense is terrible. It's terrible. I don't know that it gets any better. Defensive line, we'll see what happens there. Nathan Latu, he's a, he's a defensive end. He only had six tackles, but he had four sacks last year. Justin Kirkland, big defensive tackle they bring in from Utah Tech. They're linebackers, Colin Oliver. He can play on the end. He can play on the outside, whatever. 19 tackles, five sacks. Their best linebacker, Mason Cobb, who had 96 tackles, two, t- two sacks, and a one INT last year. He left for Southern Cal. Tackling is going to be a premium. Obviously, they didn't do a very good job of that last year. Uh, look back at their, at their backfield, their secondary back there. Kendall Daniels, he's a sophomore, 45 tackles, three interceptions. They got two cornerbacks and Corey Black and Cam Smith. I just, I think it's a mess. All that being said, I went over six and a half wins, strictly based on that schedule. We can well, we can look at week one. I mean, how do you, you know, we talked about earlier. Gundy's got, you know, at least seven wins since two thousand and five. How do you bet against the guy? Yeah. Now looking at the schedule as a whole. I counted one, two, three, four, almost, I guess, what, nine nine games here that are all within almost a touchdown. A coin flip, right? Yeah, up or down. So, I'll, I'll seven and five, right? And that's the way it should play out. And we'll see. We'll see what happens. But, you know, like I said, I heard, them, I heard two different podcasts making a case for them to win the Big 12. I just totally can't buy that. No, I I don't think so either. Now, let's move over. Let's talk about the Texas Tech Red Raiders. These guys, this is my sleeper for the 
Big 12. You and everybody else's brother. There's yep. so many. I'm talking about sharp, sharp guys that love them some Texas Tech. Well, I mean, they're preseason ranked number 19. And last year, they beat both Texas and Oklahoma. Yeah. They uh, ended the season 8-5, and five, and they were 8-5 and five against the spread. They're 9-1 to one to win the Big 12. Their win total set at 7.5, and, and you get plus money on the over, plus 120. Uh, Joey McGuire, this is his second year. He's a Texas guy, Texas high school coach legend, the whole nine yards. Something very interesting about this Texas Tech program, because it's hard for them. You know, Lubbock is off the beaten path, and, you know, it's hard to get guys down there. But something I found very interesting, and I think it's pretty damn smart, all 85 players have a stipend with the NIL. You hear before the NIL days, you know, these guys come in on scholarship, but they have no money to, you know, buy the essentials and stuff. So I think that's super cool. Another cool stat that I saw and, you know, talking about Lubbock off the beaten path, these guys just invested $200 million, $200 million in their athletic campus renovation. So they're putting money into the program. So yeah. They're excited, and, and I think it shows, and I, I think it's going to translate on the field. I think you're right. And listen, I think they got the guy to coach him, too. I think Joey McGuire is the guy to coach him. I mean, going 8-5 and five last year, look, they beat Texas and Oklahoma for the first time in the same season. And they've got 11 starters returning. Yep, 11 starters. They averaged uh, 89 plays per game. That was the number one. They were number one in the nation at plays per game. They've always been a team, you know, even back to the Mike Leach days where, you know, they run they run this ump-tempo stuff. So, look, 462 yards, 34 points a game. They led the Big 12 and over 300 passing yards per game. Um. The offense was, you know, very efficient. Zach Kitley, it's his second year as offensive coordinator. He coached Bailey Zappi, which everybody knows now. Bailey Zappi took over from Mac Jones in, on the Patriots last year when he went down. Um, Bailey Zappi set records at Houston Baptist. He was great for his one year at Western Kentucky. But Zach Kitley's the one who, you know, he's he got him there. Uh, Tyler Shug is a senior, the quarterback. He can sling it. He can run, too. Um, but he's got to stay healthy. Oh, he's only played 22 games in four years. That's not good. Well, he's also a um, transfer from Oregon. Oregon, yeah. And they got them on their second game. Yeah, it's going to be interesting. Uh, they got a sophomore in Brandon Morton, 1,100 yards last year, seven touchdowns, six, in, six interceptions. You know, here we go again with the picks. Um, they're running back, Tajay Brooks, he's a senior. 147 carries last year, 700 yards, seven touchdowns. Got a sophomore in Cameron Valdez. Hold on. It's not Cameron. Cameron. This is Cam hyphen Ron. Cameron. Valdez. Love it. Yeah, he's a sophomore. They they really like him. Uh, Jordan Bradley, 744 yards, six touchdowns. And as a receiver, Miles Price, receiver, 500 yards. Xavier White, 572 yards, three touchdowns. They got a receiver out of Austin P and Dre McCray. He for Austin P, seventy-five receptions, thousand yards, nine touchdowns. He averaged thirteen and a half yards per reception. They think he can come right in and play. Uh, they're tight end Baylor Cup. He's a senior. He had two touchdowns. Mason Thorpe is another junior tight end. He had two touchdowns. 
they have experience over there. Absolutely. You know, I don't think you'll see a lot of, uh, you know, false starts and, and all those other silly penalties that go along with these young teams when they're trying to do stuff they shouldn't be doing. So this is this is interesting stat. Last in the Big 12 in sacks and tackles for loss allowed. So you know they're working on that. They've yeah, got to be. they got to be. Uh, they, they do bring in a senior from Western Kentucky and Rusty Stats, and, and they got their two tackles are veterans. So whatever that was, which is – you can't have that again. No, they got to be pushing pressure on the quarterback. Got to be sure. better than that. Yep. Uh, we'll we'll look on the other side of the ball at the defense where they bring back six starters. One problem over there, they gave up 440 yards a game. I was 109th in the nation. So, but you know that seems to be a, a common theme with these Big 12 teams. You know the defense is just not there. It's not something you and I are used to. Look, all things. So everybody understands we live in SEC country. So we're, we're, we subscribe to a whole total different type of, of deal. And, and our expectations are not to have one of the powerhouses in the one hundreds. Right. But this, this plays out to whoever has the ball last wins. Yeah. Yeah. But they do have a big one to replace in Tyree Wilson, the defensive end that the Raiders drafted with the ninth pick. He had 61 tackles last year and seven sacks. So trying to duplicate or come close to duplicating that production, it's going to be on Tony Bradford, who's a senior. He comes back. He had five and a half sacks last year. Jalen Hutchinson is a senior. He had 28 tackles and one and a half sacks. Them two combined, it not even close to what Tyree did, but they're going to have to be. You know, you look at the linebackers, senior linebacker and Josiah Pierre and Jacob Rodriguez is a junior linebacker. All right, so now now we look at their backfield where they get they get a senior back in Taylor Demerson. Uh, Dadrian Taylor Dadrian Taylor Demerson, senior, safety. 53 tackles, three interceptions. Tyler Owens, the senior, safety, 14 tackles, one interception. Look at the cornerbacks and uh, Rashad Williams. He had 28 tackles and an interception. And Malik Dunlap is another senior, 27 tackles and I one mean, interception. They've got experience here. These guys have all – I mean, they're all seniors except for um, one of these guys, uh, Jacob Rodriguez. I mean, you got to think they've got to be able to improve that stat. Well, I mean, listen, when you give up 439 yards a game, that's a problem. When you give up 180 yards rushing, that's a problem. When you give up 260 yards passing, that's a problem. So they got to be better in that aspect. But, again, if they're going to score 40 points a game, well, then the defense is going to give up. That's, that's going to happen. You know, they're going to be on the field the whole time. So they're your sleeper. There are a lot of people's sleepers. For me, I do like the over seven and a half wins. I look at that schedule. The second week of the season? Yeah, Oregon. Well, look, even the first week, okay, September 2nd, they go to Wyoming. I got them as a 12-and-a-half-point favorite. Wyoming's never been an easy place to play. But they get them early enough to where it's not five inches of snow on the ground. (laughs) You know, so they can kind of go up there and and play their game. You know, their game of up-tempo, spread them out, hey, let's go. I, I I think they'll handle that. I just... You know, they'll handle that okay. Look, hopefully for us betters, that game's closer than people expect. So then in week two, 
because I think we both like them getting points against Oregon. Hopefully in week two, that line will be a little more than three and a half, and we'll just have some gravy. I, I think if they beat Oregon, they're going to get the confidence, and they're going to roll, have a great season. And, I mean, my predictions, the Texas game in Texas, the finish up the season is just going to be insane for them. I mean, yeah. That's, that's going to decide, I think, who wins this conference. So after Oregon – uh, I think I got them as an underdog to Baylor, and that's only their one-and-a-half-point underdog to Baylor, and then to end the season to Texas. So they're favored in all the other games. I like them. You know, I like them to make a push. And I think over seven-and-a-half, I, I, I can see this team being nine-and-three. Maybe that's the ceiling. Maybe ten-and-two. Maybe ten-and-two. But it all depends on that Oregon game. Yeah. I mean, like we said, last year they had literally two teams in the entire conference that won more than ten games. Yeah. We'll, we'll see. Um, I, I agree with you. The Oregon game is going to be key. Yep. And then that's going to kind of dictate their mindset, I think, for how the season flows out. But that, Yeah, well, I mean, listen, it, September 2nd when they go to Wyoming, I want my eyes on that TV. I want to see what's going on. You know, I want to I make sure that Sug doesn't get hurt. You know, <laughs> I want to make sure that – that they're clicking, that that defense has at least improved just a little bit. Just give me a little bit because when Oregon comes to town, Bo Nix is not going to be playing around. He's going to move the ball. He's going to run. He's going to run. So, I, I know you're a, a Bo Nix fan, being an Auburn guy and everything, but he's just he's a scrambling machine. But I've just I'm not a fan. I think he was second in the Heisman last year. Wasn't it doesn't matter. Like he's that. just still he, he's never. He likes that backyard football, I, right? Well, I think he's unpredictable. He is. But look, look listen. But he wins. Gus didn't, right? give him, Gus didn't give him a whole lot to work with either, no. Yeah. Gus decided he wasn't going to recruit no more and to hell with the all the boosters at Auburn, and he didn't care no more. And and you're talking about his Bo Nix's dad, Patrick, played at Auburn. Is Auburn. You know, they bleed orange and blue. I mean, right. you know, so right. good for I was surprised when he left. To be quite honest, but yeah. So, all right, over I, seven and a half, guys. Get yep. get that plus money while you can. Yeah, and, and again, let's. I'm gonna go ahead and reiterate. This is my uh, my Big Twelve sleeper prediction. So, all right, we're going to move on to Central Florida. We're going down to Orlando for the UCF Knights to the bounce house, baby. And Gus Malzahn. Oh, they're they're new to the Big Twelve. Um. <laughs> Nine and five last year in the AAC, seven and seven against spread. Gus didn't have a good year. He didn't have a year. I mean, he he just he didn't. Um, Twenty five to one to win the Big Twelve, which shows you they do kind of respect him a little bit. They they just don't know. They don't know. Nobody knows. We never know about Gus. We never have known about Gus. That's why Auburn fans are still they still like what what happened? How 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 was that so bad? But I digress. Uh, they got the win total set at six and a half. You got to lay 170 on that. And you can go under at plus 140. Uh, this is this will be Gus's third year. First season in the Big 12. He's bringing back eight starters on his offense. Uh, they averaged 228 rushing yards for ninth in the nation, which is a Gus thing, no doubt about it. He got him a new OC, Darren 
Henshaw comes out of UAB. UAB was eighth in the nation last year in rushing, which, again, right up Gus's alley. People forget this wildcat stuff that, that got so popular. Everybody forgets. Gus did that when he coached high school in Arkansas, and then when he went to Arkansas as an offensive coordinator, and he had Monk, and he had uh, <laughs> Felix Joseph, <laughs> and Darren McFadden. There you go. Nice, Darren There McFadden. you go. Uh, you know, Gus Gus is the wildcat. Like, the, he put that on the map, guys. And we're talking, what is that, 04? Mm-hmm. Somewhere back well, these, in there? These guys averaged ninth in the nation last year for rushing, yeah. 228 yards a game, right? It's just with them moving into the Big 12, there's some question marks there. There is, but look, we we've been we we've, we've been talking on this pod about how bad all those defenses are. I know, and they've got the second best quarterback in the B, in, in the Big Twelve. Yeah, John Rise Plumley, formerly Ole Miss for for you uh, Ole Miss Rebel fans out there. Y'all know y'all remember him. Uh, last year he had twenty five hundred eighty six yards, fourteen TDs, eight interceptions, and on the ground he carried the ball 159 times for 862 yards and 11 touchdowns. He led the team in rushing. This kid's an athlete. He is an athlete. Absolute athlete. Look, he plays baseball too, guys. 286 batting average, 11 home runs, and 40 RBIs in 56 games. He's an athlete, and he can flat out run the ball. He can fly. He can fly. Don't know that he'll get drafted, but I guarantee you he'll he'll sign with somebody. Just strictly for his athleticism. Um, he comes back. Now they do lose their their running back, Isaiah Bowser. The Bills got him. He had 200, 205 yard, 205 carries, eight hundred yards, and sixteen touchdowns last year. Yeah, but they've got three seniors waiting in the wings. Three seniors waiting in the ring wings, and and that's another Gus thing. Gus loves that kind of stuff. He trusts them. You know, he trusts them. So, it'll be interesting to see how all that works out. Um, you look at their receivers, Javon Baker, he's a senior, 56 receptions last year, 800 yards, five touchdowns. Kobe Hudson, he's their deep threat. He's another senior, 640 yards, seven touchdowns. Great tight end, and Gus loves his tight ends. He loves his tight ends. He loves to put them in the wheel routes. He loves, their, he loves his tight ends. Uh, Alec Holler, he's a senior, 22 receptions, 276 yards last year. Offensive line, they returned two starters, a senior guard and a senior left tackle, and a right tackle that they get out of Kent State and Marcellus Marshall. So just from the offensive side, I think Gus will be fine, as long as Gus doesn't try to get too cute. I think they'll be fine. John Rice Plumbing, he's got to stay healthy. Yeah, absolutely. For them to have any shot. So. Well, stay healthy and protect the ball for sure. Yeah, yeah, you can't. I mean, you know, you just can't give can't give the ball away. Just can't do it. Um, defensive on, on the defensive side of the ball, that seven starters come back. They gave up twenty three and a half points a game, but again, guys, that was the AAC. So that's kind of really we'll see what happens with that. But another senior coming back on the edge and Traymon Morris Brash, thirty tackles, six sacks. They got another senior defensive end, Josh Sellis Carr, 32 tackles and three sacks. Ricky Barber, defensive tackle, senior. Linebacker, Jason Johnson, senior. He's a middle linebacker. He had 70 tackles a second and a half last year. Walter Yates, a senior outside linebacker, 33 tackles. 
one and a half sacks. They get him a linebacker out of Georgia in Ryan Davis. So Gus hit the portal and got him one of them SEC boys. And you know if he was a linebacker at Georgia, he can flat out play. He just probably couldn't get on the field over there. Wonder why. You know. Uh, you look at their backfield. Brendan Adams is a junior quarterback. They bring back Jairai Wilson. He's a senior safety. He had 25 tackles and two interceptions. Point of the story. You see seniors. That is a, a lot, senior lot of experience defense. And in the offense. I mean, there's a lot yeah. of there's a lot of experience both sides of the ball. Probably top three most interesting teams to watch this year. Just to see because listen, just to put my Auburn fan perspective out of this, to see what Gus can do, you know he has the experience. As I mentioned earlier, played for a national championship, got beat by Jimbo. He won SEC championships. He won he won a national championship when he was offensive coordinator for Gene Chizik and he had Cam and the boys in. So Gus has been in these big games. He's you know it's he's not scared to go play in the Big Twelve by no means, and he's loaded up with experience. So I you know he's going to go in there and and try to make something happen. I look at their schedule. They don't have to play Texas. They don't have to play TCU. Yeah, it looks like they're underdogs in three games. Was that uh, Kansas State? Uh, which is at Kansas State. That's hard to win. Texas Tech, which is at Texas Tech. Yep. And then Oklahoma at home. I don't really have a feel for this because I don't. My biggest thing is if some of these guys go down, what's going to happen? Yeah, I, I personally would probably stay away from this yeah. just to see what happens this season just because they're not proven. If you told me, hey, look, listen, you got to make a bet. I would go under six and a half at the plus money. I'm not laying almost two to one to see them go six and six because six and six could happen. Any of these injuries, there's not a lot of depth on this team. There's not a lot of experience outside of these starters, and that could be an issue. You know, it, it could be an issue. And a lot of these games are close games, it seems. Yep, it's close games. Uh, you know, you see that they got to go to Texas Tech at the end of the year. That could be – Playing for bowl eligibility right there. It could be. So, I think it's a very interesting team to watch. Now, I think you give Gus two more years, especially with what the Big 12 is going to become after this year. Yeah, lose Texas and Oklahoma. That's... Yeah, I mean, yeah, Colorado's coming in and Utah's coming in and Arizona and Arizona State. But that could be Gus's conference for a long – it could be him and uh, – Texas Tech fighting it out for a long time over there. Well, you know, everybody, oh, Coach Prime, we'll see. We'll see how that all goes. They're not going to win three games this year, so we'll see. <laughs> all right. <laughs> yep. Yeah, UCF, I mean, like I said, it, I'd stay away from it. It's one of those things where um, we're going to have to see what happens. There's too many close games, so I, I've got to agree with you. Yep. All right. Let's move into Provo, Utah, BYU Cougars. BYU Cougars. Uh, this is their first year in the Big 12. Um, last year, they were 8-5 and five and 5-8 five and eight straight up. They had the 35th toughest schedule in the nation, which is good for them because they're going to need it. Ken Sataki is his eighth year as the head coach. Um, they're 80-1 to one to win the Big 12. They got their season win total set at 4.5 minus. 185 
or you can go under at plus 150. I, I kind of like the under right now. Kind of like the under a little bit. Um, we'll, we'll get in a little bit deeper into the fold here, but. Yeah. So they, they bring back seven starters uh, on an offense that averaged 426 yards a game and 31 points a game. Keaton Slovis, well-traveled Keaton Slovis from Southern Cal to Pitt, now to BYU. Last year at Pitt, he threw for 2,397 yards, 10 touchdowns. But Tony, nine INTs. Again, turnover machine. Um, And if y'all remember, he took over for Kenny Pickett last year. And, yep, I think Pitt ended up going to the bowl and winning the bowl game. But it was huge, huge drop-off from what, you know, Kenny Pickett's playing on Sundays now starting for the Steelers. So, Um, and – He's Keaton Slovis is going to replace Jaron Hall, who got drafted by the Vikings, and Jaron Hall had 31 touchdowns last year. So Slovis has got some big shoes to fill. Now, all that being said about him, I just want to be clear about, about what kind of passer he is, what kind of arm he has. In four years that Keaton Slovis has played, he's thrown for 9,973 yards and 68 touchdowns. So there's no doubt the kid can – can sling it, but can't just get the ball away. They look to A.D. and Robbins. Robbins comes in from UNLV to run the ball, and the UNLV had 209 carries, 11, or 1,011 yards, nine touchdowns. He can catch, so you'll probably see a lot of that. Um, they get a running back transfer from Colorado that Coach Prime decided he didn't want in Deion Smith. Uh, you look at their receivers. They got a junior in Keanu Hill. 572 yards, seven touchdowns. They got a sophomore in Chase Roberts, 22 receptions, 357 yards, and three touchdowns, and he's their deep threat. Tight end, Isaac Rex. He's a junior. He had 22 catches last year, 300 yards, six touchdowns. Look at their offensive line. Their left tackle, Kingsley Suamata. Paul Miley is a a center they got from Utah. Which anytime you can get an offensive lineman or defensive lineman from Utah, that's a that's a great get. Then they went to Oklahoma State and got a right tackle in Caleb Etienne. Coach Sataki going to the portal to get what he needs. Uh, you look at their defense; seven starters come back. They gave up twenty nine. Well, let me hold on real quick. Mm-hmm. So let me let me sum up this offense for you. These guys have to replace their leading passer, their top three leading rushers their leading receiver, and their best offensive lineman. Yep. That's a lot. That's a lot. But, Tony, remember, they are playing defenses from the Big 12. So <laughs> This is true. <laughs> so, you know, uh, <laughs> give so, and take, right? I'd be curious if we ranked oh. the average offensive scores mm-hmm. across all the different conferences where the Big 12 would rank. They've got to be near the top. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, hey, especially when Lincoln Riley was over there at Oklahoma. I mean, come on. Yeah, there was 60 know. point. Yeah. Every week. He didn't tell me he wanted to until they played an SEC team. And, yeah. and, you know, or back then it was what, Nebraska was yeah. still rolling. And, yeah. Yep. Um, on the defensive side of the ball with the seven starters, um, they got a new defensive coordinator in Jay Hill. Got him out of Weber State. He's got – He's got some work to do. Yeah. I mean, these guys gave up 20-plus points in every game every game last year. Yeah, every game. Every single game. So, I don't know how you fix that, but maybe maybe Coach Hill can figure out something. Um, T- 
Tyler Batty, their defensive end, 29 tackles and two sacks. They get a defensive tackle out of Boise State and Jackson Cravens. And they get another defensive end out of Boise State and Isaiah Bagna. Hitting the portal. Hitting the portal. Trying to build the defense up. Linebackers, Ben, ben Bywater, 31 tackles, one sack. Max Tooley, 33 tackles, one sack. He had three three interceptions, so, you know, he's got some hands. He's obviously aware of what's going on. Uh, look at their backfield and their secondary, and Eddie Hackard out of Weber State, cornerback transfer for Weber State. He had 50 tackles and two interceptions. Uh, Jayco Robinson, out of, he's a cornerback, 34 tackles, one interception. Micah Harper, the safety, 62 tackles, and Malik Moore, the senior safety, with nine tackles. Uh, Coach Sataki has got some got some work to do. He's got to figure out are they going to play in shootouts in every game they play? Because obviously, I don't think they're going to stop a whole lot of people. I went ahead and I took the under four and a half wins at the plus one fifty. If they get to five, so be it. Uh, they'll get they open up with Sam Houston and Southern Utah, so. You know, they're 25-point favorites over Sam Houston and 34-point favorites over Southern Utah. So, they get some warm-up time. But, look, it doesn't go nowhere from there. It goes bad from there. These guys have Arkansas, Kansas. At Arkansas, at TCU, Kansas. Texas, West Virginia, and Oklahoma State all uh, on, on the, the road. road. Yeah. So, that's one, two, three, four, five, six losses. Right? I mean, that's the way it's looking. And, and then Iowa State is a pick em. And Texas Tech comes to Provo, so don't think they're going to beat them. So kind of when we began this, I was kind of chuckling at the four and four yeah. and a half. It almost seems like a gift, right? We need to the ask under, Carl. The under at one fifty. Shoot, we need to ask Carl about that. Carl, how how did y'all come up with this one? <laughs> goodness, goodness. Yeah. So. Uh, you know, as far as the other teams in the Big 12 joining the conference, Cincinnati, uh, they lose Luke Fickle. And, you know, that's a, a big loss for a program who has been on the rise. I think they're going to have some serious issues um, moving forward. So I hate it for them. You know, they went and got Scott Satterwhite out of Louisville, which everybody in Louisville was – they offered to help move him. So, I don't – that's a very underwhelming hire, in my opinion. And Houston, uh, that's another team that Dana Hogerson heard that he was out at one of the UGA practices taking notes, wanting to find out how Kirby does it, and he was absolutely blown away. They said he left the practice and went back and totally said he's revamping everything he does, strength training, the way they practice, everything. Because he realizes – that they're so far behind. So those two teams, you know, good luck to them. Uh, you know, Houston, when Tom Herman was there a couple of years ago, he had them rolling. And, of course, he left and went to Texas, and it didn't work out the way they wanted to, which, by the way, Tom Herman fans, he's down at FAU now, and he will have them playing ball. You will see them playing ball. Uh, and, I mean, they'll be back to upsetting folks and, and winning games. Tom Herman's a great coach. Yeah, I, I mean, I see UCF really being the only new team to the conference that's going to make any waves. Um, I mean, these guys, again, they're unproven, but they've got so much experience coming back. Um, they they could possibly 
have a pretty good season, get a bowl berth. Well, I mean, but, but that's that all goes back to Gus being in the SEC and knowing what it takes, what kind of players it takes. But Gus cannot do Gus things. That's the problem. That's their that's their problem. Is I love Gus and I hate Gus. He's got to have the tools. Yeah. And he can't just stand over there and get mad and throw his visor like Spurrier did and hold the clipboard against his chest and turn around and start yelling. I mean, Gus has to – He Gus has got to do better. Hey, Spurrier, he was the best at throwing the visor. Oh, yeah, yeah. He's – yeah, no doubt about it. <laughs> so, I mean, the way I see this playing out, and, and it's just, just my opinion, of course, um, you know, Texas I think is is, you know, they're the preseason favorite to win – I don't think Kansas State's going to be as great as they were last year. Um, they take a step back. I think yeah. they have to. But, I, you know, I, I'm high on Texas Tech as, as giving Texas the biggest um, the biggest battle for the conference. Yep. Keep the quarterback healthy. Keep keep the quarterback healthy over there. and Don't turn the ball over. And, and I think they're going to score some points. But, again, their defense, they got to step yeah, we, up. We saw a theme for the Big 12, man. Every one of these teams can score points. It's like who has the ball last? Who can stop the other team from score points? That's the key. And and there's something else to to take away from that. The rule changes as far as the clock running, and and when they set these totals on these games, these over and unders, it's you might depending on how sharp you are, you might be able to catch on to something in the first two or three weeks. But after that, you better know your team and you better know who they're playing. And if you want to bet that over. You better know what's going on because it's going to be a major adjustment. Whether it's four plays a half or nine plays in a in a you know nine drive whatever in a in a total game, it's going to make a difference. Yeah, I mean, it, I, I kind of equate it to you trying to figure out trash time in the fourth quarter when they're ahead by thirty or forty points, yeah. and they put in you know the backup guy to give them experience. I mean, that's got an impact. Yeah, and I, I'm not a huge total player anyway. I mean, back in the day, we used to jump on all these Pac-12 totals because they didn't play defense over there back then, <laughs> unless it was Southern Cal's about the only one that played defense over there back then. So um, I don't really play a lot of them anymore. Um, but I, I will be watching. Absolutely. I'll we'll be definitely watching. need to follow along to see what happens. It's going to be an interesting season for the Big 12. So Yeah, I, listen, I've heard some sharp guys say that the books didn't adjust these early lines when they put them out, so they went ahead and took it over. And then I've heard some really sharp guys say, "Oh, they were off by six points or whatever," so they jumped on the under. Just all depending on what their models say, you know. But we we really won't know till I'd say about week four, maybe we'll figure out what's going on. So well, I'm just excited. Football's back. It's back. Football's back. So all right, this has been good. Yep, I enjoyed it. Hope you guys. Hope you guys are ready, prepared. Y'all, if y'all y'all get these lines early, again, do not chase these lines. When you see something you like, get it. Go get it then. And then you can always play off of it if something happens later on. So, good luck to y'all. And we got, I think, what, Tony, we're going to drop the SEC? Yeah, we have SEC East and SEC West coming up. Um, and then we'll also have our week zero predictions coming up, uh, for, uh, next weekend. Yep. So let's transition to this week's stay in the truck awards. My stay in the truck award this week is Michael Orr. Everybody knows Michael Orr got famous from the story with the blind side. That movie came out in 2009. 
feel good football movie. One of the, one of the feel good football movies of all time, big stars, you know, Sandra Bullock, Tim McGraw, bunch of football cameos with Phil Fulmer, Lou Holtz, Houston Nutt, Ed Orgron, Nick Saban, Tommy Tuberville. Everybody knows the story. You know, Michael Orr is a homeless black teen drifting in and out of school systems for years. This family takes him in, gets him into private school, kind of helps him develop his football career. He moves on to be a standout football player uh, at Ole Miss, eventually playing for eight seasons in the NFL for three different teams. We all know the story. Everybody knows the movie. Like I said, feel good story, uh, pulls at the heartstrings, and that was the end of the story. So we thought, right, as of late, though, there's been all this noise in the media. So on August 14th, apparently, Michael Orr, you know, he came out with this lawsuit against the Tuies, who took him in. And the lawsuit was in a question that apparently Michael Orr just found out that um, he wasn't really adopted, that uh, they had fooled him and signed a document, blah, 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 whatever the stuff that happened on August 14th. Here's what people don't realize about this story. And I don't know if this is true or not, but it's kind of strange, right? On August 8th, if you go on Amazon, Michael Orr's new book dropped. How convenient. So, I mean, here, here you've got this, America loves this guy. This guy made $35 million in the NFL career earnings. So now you've got all this stuff that's coming out that's just like, whether it's true or not, whether it's a publicity stunt, I don't know, but it's it's kind of putting a bad taste in my mouth. It's staining this whole feel-good story of his whole life that everybody thought they knew about the guy. I don't know. We're going to see more about this. The truth's going to come out eventually. Um, he's trying to sell books. I'm not real sure what the story is. Hopefully we'll get to the truth. We may not never know the truth, but... It just doesn't, it doesn't feel right. It doesn't pass the sniff test. So yeah. at this point, Michael Orr, stay in the truck. Yep. Stay in the truck. I, I, I had heard something about there was a family text and he had threatened that he was going to go public with whatever was on the family text chat and blah, blah, blah. And just so happens he got a book coming out. Huh? How much money does he need? You know what's funny though? No, while you're saying that, and this is great, but what runs through my mind is Ole Miss, Ed Orgeron. How much money did he make when he went to Ole Miss? And they didn't have NIL back then. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah, the $35 million in the NFL plus whatever they paid him to come to Ole Miss, and I guess he was like, I don't remember who the quarterback was back then. That was after Eli. So, But anyway, yeah, that's it's not good, man. Stay in the truck. Stay in the truck, Michael Orr. Yeah, that's a good one, Tony. Um, mine, and I'm going to preface this by just saying that, like, this uh the sports better betters community it's it's just a little bitty sliver of the piece of pie that that we live in right there's not a whole whole lot of us and there's some people that are just learning about it do y'all have a secret handshake not yet okay only when we're passing hundreds but you know hundreds hundreds yeah so but billy walters Greatest sports gambler of all time. Just got inducted to the brand new sports betters Hall of Fame in the new Circa sports book out in Las Vegas at Bet Bash last week. 
guy named Spanky put on Bet, Bet Bash. Who Spanky's one of the probably the top gambler right now, probably the top sports better right now. Sounds like a road trip. Oh yeah, I got to go see it with uh, where they got the uh, stadium swim out there. Yeah, that's amazing. So um, Billy Walters is uh, he put out a book with the great Armin Katane, who people know from Sixty Minutes and. Maybe he did some stuff with ESPN too, but he's writing a book. And in his book, he's he's detailing about the way he, the systems he ran. He, what some of you guys don't know, and y'all, if you get time, you can Google the 60 Minutes thing with Billy Walters. They did on him several years ago, and you can just Google his name, and you're going to find out all kinds of crazy stuff. But, but Billy Walters was one of the first ones to come out with this computer group where they were using all these analytics and stuff, and... Um, he really revolutionized the way that the sports books had to make lines and keep up with line movements and the famous Billy Walters head fakes where he would go bet one side just to move it so he could get more money down on the other side. So anyway, he's writing a book. The book's coming out, I think, next week or the week after that. Yeah, August 22nd. Yeah, August 22nd. So... That's, Secrets from a life at risk. Yeah. So, uh, Mr. Walters in in his book, uh, there's some things in there about Phil Mickelson, and Phil Mickelson essentially didn't help him out when he got convicted of insider trading. Well, Mad Dog Chris, Chris Russo, one of the biggest sports talk people ever. Probably the biggest. Him and Mike Francisco, they used to have this huge sports talk on out in uh, the fan in New York. They were huge. And Chris Russo is a great baseball man. Take nothing away from him. He, he has high heat. He has a XM radio show. He's on MLB Network. Take nothing away from him about his baseball knowledge. But now he decided he wanted to rip on Billy Walters trying to sell books because of Phil Mickelson. Well, what he fails to realize is, going back to what I said earlier, this little slice of sports bettors life we live in here, the sports bettors, we, we've been knowing about Phil Mickelson. We've heard tales about Phil Mickelson forever. Okay? And, and, and Russo, the, the, the big headline is, Phil called Billy, wanted to bet $400,000, when the Ryder Cup was in Medina back in 2012. Well, we don't even care about that. And I can I can assure you, Billy Walters, are not. he's not selling these books because he put an excerpt in there or a chapter or even two chapters or whatever it is about Phil Mickelson. And this is when the sports media personalities, when they cross the line so often, and we see it all the time, for those of you who watch ESPN, I'm sure you see it all the time. I refuse to watch that stuff. But you crossed the line, Russo. You don't know what you're talking about. You owe Billy Walters a huge apology. This man revolutionized everything that, that sports bettors do today. He's not selling the books because Phil Mickelson wanted to bet $400,000 on the Ryder Cup in 2012. So figure out what you're talking about. Do your research. Or stick to baseball. I mean, that's just one little sliver in an entire book. Yes. I mean, the guy didn't write an entire book on Phil Mickelson. He wrote it on his life and how he revolutionized the gambling world. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, 
Yes. Was Phil Mickelson a huge part of him being convicted for insider trading? Yes, he was. Phil refused to testify. If he would have just told him what happened, you know, probably wouldn't have got convicted in $10 million in five years. He'd be hanging out with Angel Cabrera. <laughs> yeah. So long story short, Russo, Mad Dog Russo, stay in the truck. Stay in the truck. That's it for this week's show. We really appreciate you tuning in. Please remember to like, subscribe, and leave us some comments. Let us know how we're doing. Stay in the truck.